morning. I had a very interesting morning. I couldn't find my car keys. Still haven't found my car keys. I'm very thankful that um, Sarah, my daughter, left the, the car at the house because I used her car to get here this morning very, very quickly. Right, um, we're on this series of the Psalms and today I'm going to speak about Psalm 34 as, as I see it in my very simplified way. But um, I love the Psalms. <coughs> Psalms are so, so important to me in my everyday because I literally just love reading the Psalms. But one of the Psalms, Psalm 34, is probably one of my most favourite of all. And I, and I really love it. Um, my earliest recollection of Psalms and the book of Psalms was school. We were actually taught to do these at school and we had to memorise them. And the one that I had to memorise was Psalm 24 as part of the curriculum that we were doing at the time. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and all that dwell therein. And, you know, I was able to get this in my head and from a very early age I've been subjected to this, the book of Psalms. The other time of um, my earliest memories of Psalms was singing them as a choir boy in the Church of Ireland. And I used to have to dress up in my little purple robe or red robe it was with a white cassock on the top and the frills round here. And I'm really glad there are no photographs for you to see. And to my knowledge there are none. I've never seen them in all 59 years of my life and I don't believe there is any. And I am really thankful for that. But we used to sing the Psalms and they were the canticles and Psalms and we chanted them to these um, tunes. I actually didn't like them. To be quite honest with you, I found them quite difficult um, in the way that we sang them because I always found them quite boring, very unrhythmic, and I just found them a wee bit difficult. Um, Psalms like the Venite was one of the ones that we would do, oh, come to the Lord and let us heartily rejoice in the rock of our salvation. Um, let us come to his presence in thanksgiving and give, uh, be glad with Psalms. And we would sing these to a chant, in the, and us boys in the choir boys, there was about 12 of us actually, 12 boys, and we all had great voices. And I, had, I looked very angelic, actually. Um, I really did look very angelic and little, you know, bright blonde hair and, you know, this frills and I really looked angelic and butter wouldn't melt in my mouth. That changed a lot, didn't it? <laughs> but we would sing these canticles and psalms and, of course, we would have ended it with... Um, I have one of them up there. Sorry, do you have it the way it flickers? There we go. I'm going to shift over a little bit. So um, we would have sang these, and of course we always finished it. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. And you'd be singing it to that, you know, um, and to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm sure that people love that kind of liturgy, you know, and they were all into that. I actually just find it a little bit boring for me, but they were great words. No matter what it was, they were still amazing words. And um, we, we sang these every Sunday. And whatever the liturgy was on that Sunday, the colic for today, and we would do our little processional hymn on a recessional hymn, and we'd do our walking down. And um, we used to have this great choir mistress. I have to tell you about her. She was absolutely amazing. She was always about diction and about how you actually said your words. And uh, coming from Aggerstown, from where I came in Portadown and Redmondville and Corcoran, us guys, we weren't very versed in, on diction, you see. 
And the words that we would have used would have been what we call protodynisms. And it didn't work with the way we sang things. And so Mrs. Eakin used to stop us all the time, especially in the words of the hymn, um, Who and Valiant Be. And of course it ends with the words, To be a pilgrim. And of course when you're from Eckerstown, it used to be, To be a pilgrim. No, 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 it's not like that at all. She was a great lady and she taught us much mountains about how to sing and how to use proper words. And she really detested us eating sweets during the service. So we had this great technique with a little bag for the money. We used to put polos in it and pass them down the line. And all of a sudden you'd seen the boys putting their change in, taking the polo out. And then up come, here we go. (laughs) And she'd be like staring from the organ watching us to see who's eating. So Psalm 34, here we are. The story so far is this. Um, David has got himself into a real pickle. And he has, he's actually on the run from Saul. And he is um, in a bit of a pickle because he's now got himself in front of the king Agash, of the king of Gath. Now, he really is running for all his life. People are using words like David, you know, or King Saul kings thousands of men, but David king, or David king kills tens of thousands, really, really starting to annoy King Saul. So he wants to get rid of him. And so he goes before Agash, the king of Gath. I think he had this kind of fanciful notion that he was maybe going to become some kind of a mercenary. But the problem was King Agash, the king of Gath, um, Agash, recognizes him right away. And so he becomes very, very fearful. He gets very afraid of the fact that he is probably in even bigger trouble now than he was. And so he does this very um, ingenious thing, I suppose, in a way. He acts insane. He acts as if he's gone mad. And um, he starts inscribing things on gates and doors. um, And then he starts slobbering at the mouth and the saliva all runs down his beard, as it says in 1 Samuel um, 21 verses 10 to 15. And uh, the king of Gash looks at him. It's rather funny, actually, because it's like something you would hear in the building side, you know. But he said something like, do you not think I have enough nutcases around here without bringing another one in front of me? And it works because he said, get him away from me. And so he's saved from that. And from this situation, he, ri- he writes this psalm. He gets this amazing psalm written, written for him. Um, and I thought it'd be, do you know what I actually thought it'd be lovely to do today, just for a change, that we'd read it together. Mm-hmm. Can you see that okay? Or am I on your way? Mm-hmm. I've been like, well, I've been like that all my life, so there's no problem there. There you go. So I'll read the, in, in the white, and you read the ones in the yellow, if that's okay. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This prayer man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. 
the minds may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good things. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them, him from them all. He protects all his bones, not the one of them will be Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. In my, in my old teaching from, um, from years ago of, of being a preacher, I like three sermon titles. I like three titles within it. Um, and it's God delivers, God cares, and God saves. And so God delivers David from this most awful experience that he's been going through. And the reader really has to hear this through the whole psalm itself. They should hear the song of thanksgiving and of deliverance. And there is a hope and a deliverance from the loads of oppressive situations that even our, we experience on an everyday basis. And it begins in verses 1 to 3 where David really starts to give thanks for all that has happened to him. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David here is really, the, you know, there's the psalmist really putting it out there. He's really saying, it's not all down to me, it was down to God. God has done everything. He has delivered me out of the most awful situation, taken me from the most awful point in my life. And if you look at it, and it really, really boils down to it, he really was in a very, very difficult situation. Um, literally at the very point of almost nearly dying. Um, and he really was within a hound's girl of losing it all. Given that David is in a really, really tricky situation here, he really takes time out to praise. He really offers God um, the most amazing praise. Even things are really crazy. And I've always been told this, even the older Christians always used to say this to me, and I always find it really hard to come on board with it. Um, When you're getting at the hardest, always praise God. In the times that you're getting most difficult, give your praise to God. Praise him and all things give thanks. Remember you're not alone. <laughs> Older Christians always used to say that to me. Remember you're never alone. And those are great words that really helped me through this. And I was sitting thinking about this when I was reading the psalm over and over and over again. I was thinking about here David was at the very clutches of death. And he's given thanks and praise to God. Because God cares enough to help us and God enters into the trouble, you know, into the troubled situations, especially of the psalmist, and he cares enough for the psalmist in the midst of all the trouble. 
Um, and you have to note the words, um, the, the poor man cries out and the Lord heard him. The psalmist cried out and the Lord cared enough to help him and delivers him from all his troubles. We cry out to God and he delivers us from all our troubles. I think that's verse 7. No, uh, I think it's verse 4, is it? Can't remember. Didn't write it down here, but that's what it says in it. And then um, you only have to look at that to go to the next few verses down. And then in verse 7 we see, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. And, and when I was reading this, I was kind of thinking, gosh, does that mean there's one or is that more? Is there a whole lot of angels there? Well, he uses the word encamps around. It sort of gives me the impression that perhaps there was a load of angels around him and protecting him. It reminded me of a book I was reading, um, Billy Graham's book um, on the angels, and it was called God's Secret Agents, Angels, God's Secret Agents. And it was a story he he um put into it that's about the Reverend John G. Patton and him and his wife were missionary pioneers and they went out to the New Hybrid Islands to to really set up a mission and those people were cannibals. Now they, they weren't very um, taken to white people coming in and those they'd never heard of before or seen before but he tells this thrilling story um, involving the protective care of angels and he tells the story of the hostile natives surrounding the mission headquarters one night, intent on burning the Pattons and killing them, basically. And John Patton and his wife prayed all during the, the terror-filled night, and God delivered them. When daylight came, they were so amazed that their attackers had just literally left, and they were gone, and they thanked God for the delivery and for looking after them and caring for them. The Reverend Patton goes into the story that a year later, the chief of the tribe gets converted, comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And Mr. Patton remembered that particular night. And so we asked the chief um, what had kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing him and his wife. The chief replied in surprise, who were all those men you had with you that night? The missionary answered, there were no men, just me and my wife. The chief argued that they had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with their swords drawn in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives um, were totally scared and they ran off and left them. It was only then that the Reverend Patton had realised that God had sent his angels to protect them. The chief agreed that there was no other explanation that God had sent a legion of angels to protect him. I love the verse that says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. And he really does deliver them. I read a wee bit more about the Reverend Patton. I just wanted to get my head round the person that he was. Um, they went on to do some great work. And sadly, his wife died from a fever just after giving birth to their first child. And then the child died after that. And he had to bury his wife and stay at the gravesite for weeks so that the locals wouldn't dig him dig the body up and then he remarried again and went back to one of the other islands and they had about nine children um, and they, they seemed to do an amazing work there um, some very sad stuff happened to him because some of his children died as well and it always makes me think about people who are missionary pioneers um, my goodness what they must have done in their time to bring about God's word it's just incredible and it really really is but God delivers. That's the message 
on this particular part that I wanted to talk to you about. God delivers us from all the problems and the difficulties because he's always there no matter what. And sometimes even in your walk with God and after my 40 years of walk with God, sometimes I need to be reminded about that. It's silly, I shouldn't be, but I know I need to be reminded about that. And that God is always there no matter what. And that's because God cares. And God cares. He really does. We read it there where it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Fear by probably far is probably one of the worst things that people have. It's a fear. I was watching a funny video the other night uh, of a guy and he has this absolute awful fear of dogs. And of course, his buddies are all out for the evening. They open the door and throw a dog through the door and the guy is just going to pieces. He's actually trying to climb up on top of wardrobes and everything to get away from the dog. Fear is a terrible thing. And Satan knows that and uses the fears that you have to try and bring you down. Again, when we work on the verses, when we look at it, I sought the Lord, he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. These are the verses that I believe God uses to cure. This poor man called out and the Lord heard him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, sorry, and his ears are attentive to their cry. His ears are attentive to their cry. Do you know, I remember once reading a book and in the book, the writer said, God really can't deal with your tears. He really finds it hard to do it. And, and I can understand as a father, when our girls cried, I would go to them. I would lift them up. I would comfort them. If they fell, I would lift them up and hug them and then soothe them and say, it's going to be okay. God is exactly the same. God finds it difficult to watch his children cry or be in pain. And when you cry out to God, his ears are tentative to their cry. Isn't that amazing that God cares so much that when you're in your most difficult time, he sees it and he knows it and he's there with you. God cares. Here the psalmist cries out to God with an amazing picture of God plucking the psalmist out of the midst of fear, out of the midst of all that's going on around him and is moving the psalmist to a very safer place. And and I know a table we love the praise. I mean, we really love the praise. Let's face it. Like, we like to belt out a good tune in this place. And we can fairly do it. When we're singing those lovely songs, like the goodness of God, I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head to rest. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love those words. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I think it's amazing when we can sing of this stuff. When the words are, the righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's incredible words. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he hears their uh, and tentative to their cry. 
I just think those words are incredible. Very often when I meet people who are going through the most difficult times in their lives and very often sat down to pray with them, I'll read those words for them because I need to remind them that God is near to the brokenhearted, near to those who are in the most difficult times. David himself was at the worst place he ever could be. And when you consider that, he must have been. When you think about the fact that he puts on a great act and he pretends to be insane, it's not an easy thing to do when you think about it. Well, not all of us are built to be actors, are we? I mean, when I was at primary, when I started primary school, I was in junior high. I, um, I joined into the three players in Clowna, um, and I loved it. I would have loved to have been an actor. I would have loved to have been maybe even in the amateur dramatics. My biggest problem is remembering the words. Now, if I could get onto the stage and be a kite, I could do it easily. But remembering the words, it's not an easy thing to do. He goes in, he does this, and God plucks him out of the most awful situation. When you think about it, he's in the most really, really difficult time of his life. And God cares enough to save him. And God saves. Now there is a word you will hear a lot in Northern Ireland, God saves. I was just driving past somewhere the other day and there's a little pole. It's like a telegraph pole. And there's a little sign saying, nailed onto it, God saves. And I said to myself, Amen. He certainly does. It's something so important to all of us and so important to our soul. It's what we need to get the entrance into heaven. It is, we're totally reliant on that bit. But here the psalmist is referring to the loving nature of God um, that simply cares because God really cares. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he answered me. It is so amazing to know that we have a God that cares from the very perspective that um, whatever's going on in our life, he knows. Whatever's happening, he knows. And here the psalmist cries out to God with an amazing picture. Lord, help me. Pluck me out of this awful situation. Take me from it. And he says it in, Psalm, uh, in verse 22, the Lord will rescue his servant and no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. No one who takes refuge in the Lord will be condemned. And God saves, God cares, God delivers. I think there's an amazing picture in this psalm of that. Again, when we look through the point of the angels coming in to protect, and it's a subject that I've really loved, and I've loved delving, and I've preached on it quite a few times in my time, and I have um, looked at it from every angle in the, in the, the scriptures, and it is incredibly interesting. And it's amazing when you talk to Christians about it that when they, they don't understand the, the point that the angels and what their job is and what they do. But when you start to read about what they do and how they come to protect you, how they can surround you. And King David is not, um, he is not um, devoid of any of the experience of the angels because it says in the Bible he lay on his back looking up into the sky and the Lord opened his eyes to see 20,000 upon thousands of angels pass over the sky. I've often wondered about that. What is it we have that's there to protect us? What do we have around us? Very often you will hear me pray this prayer. Lord, will you place your angels around us? 
Will you protect this place? Will you cover it in the blood of the Lamb that we will be protected? I believe angels are there to protect and look after us. Let alone at the end of time, they've got a very different role. In fact, it's a very scary role at the end of time when you consider what they've got to do. And I think I said this one time before when I was here. There's something like 7.2 billion people who live in the world and the angels are going to come out and take a third of that, which is 2.4 or something like that. My maths are terrible, but it'll be something like that. That's a lot of people. In the end of time, that's what they're going to do. I love stories like Balaam's donkey, one of my favourites. It always reminds me of Shrek, the talking donkey. You know, it's amazing when you... <laughs> He's trying to pass by and the angel won't let him and he starts beating the donkey and the, dog, the donkey starts to talk to him. Would you quit beating me? There's an angel in front of us, you know? That's absolutely incredible. But this is the care that we have from our God who protects, who cares, who delivers. He delivers us from all the problems. You know, when you're going through the most difficult times in life, and I have been through a few in my time, it's very hard to see that. It's really, really difficult to see how... Something's going to get better because we're all doom and gloom. We're, you know, we we're doing something in work the other day and my colleague said something and I said to my colleague, well, there you go, that's brilliant. That's worked out really well. And then he said something like, I for now, it'll probably do blah, blah. And I said, why do you always have to take a good moment and make it really bad? And he looked at me and he said, because the glass is only half full. I know that. It's a problem I have. Sometimes I believe that's wrong with us. Maybe perhaps we're little glasses only half full when we should maybe look from the other perspective when it's from half to full. That's what God can do for us. God is amazing. God is a deliverer. God is a carer and God saves. That is just amazing. And that psalm is just full of that. It's just packed full of the most amazing stuff that says, listen, no matter what you're going through, I can deal with it. No matter what's happening in your life, I'll take care of it. No matter how you feel, I'll perk you up. I'll make you feel much better. That's what God does for us. And all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. And I tell you what, every time I read those words, they just enthrall me so much. They just lift me up. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, You've been close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. And of course, they are lovely words. Um, with my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. Sometimes I think that's the hard part, isn't it? It's laying our lives down and surrendering all the stuff that we have to God and saying, listen, you're going to have to help me out here. How often do we try to do it ourselves? I do. I've done it so many times. The point where you get down on your knees, where you're totally broken and you say, Lord, guess what? I can't do this. Guess what, Lord? I'm struggling here. Guess what, Father? Um, I really, really would love it if you could come and help me right now. All my life, you have been faithful. And when we look at those amazing verses, when you just look back at them, the Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Wow. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them, delivers him from them all. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from all their troubles. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Oh, it's awful when you're crushed in spirit. I know it is. It's the most hardest thing. You try to be encouraged, don't you? You try. It's, it's almost like you're trying to eat food that you really hate. And every spoon you lift up and you're putting in your mouth thinking, oh, I really hate this. And someone's saying, you come on, get up, let's praise God. But you're not really in the mood for it. Let's do this. It would be really good, but you don't really want to do it. And the Lord knows about this because you're crushed in spirit. He will come to you. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears and his ears are attentive to your cry. This is incredible stuff. It's not mind-blowing, but it's incredible. It is mind-blowing when you think about it because sometimes we go through the most awful things and we never think about it. I think I love the words of an old Wesley hymn, and of course I would do, um, but it's, uh, and can it be to the last verse it says, No condemnation now I dread, Jesus and all in him is mine, alive in him my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne, and claim the crown through Christ my own. No more condemnation, that's the bit that I love most of all. Satan loves to tell you about how condemned you are, likes to tell you how rubbish you are, loves to tell you how bad person you really are. I was working in a restaurant um, when I was a plumber and we were doing, we were doing the whole thing. It was all being, being converted over to a brand new fancy restaurant and I was in doing all the plumbing for it, the toilets, the kitchens, everything. I was putting all the work in for all and there was a joiner working there and this joiner really was full of himself, loved himself so much, thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. Honest to goodness, I actually said to him one day, I said, you know, if you were chocolate, you would eat yourself. <laughs> and he said to me one day, he said, look, you see plumbing? Anybody can do plumbing. I said, really? Oh, he says, yeah, anybody can do plumbing. I can do plumbing. Anyone can do it. Anybody can do that job. He says, you're the, wrong, you're the worst plumber I've ever met. I said, right. And this went on for days. So I went home one day and I was, I was starting to read. The guy was really starting to get to me. And uh, I went home and I said to Merlin, I said, there's this joint out there and he's really starting to get to me. And he says, oh, he's, he's, he's a really bad influence because he's really starting to affect me in a big way. Anyway, I prayed about it and I went back to And Monday morning, there he was, all himself again, you know, look at me and I did this. And what do you think of that bit of joinery work? And of course, I couldn't help myself in saying, anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. And then he told me this thing. He said to me, anybody can be a plumber. He says, anybody can be a baker too. Really? He says, oh, I. He says, I worked in a bakery there before I come here. I says, where? And he told me. And I just happened to know the place. And he said to me, um, anybody can be a baker. He says, because I was in there baking as well. I said, you're a joiner and you're in baking in that place? He said, yeah. Well, that explains everything. He said, what do you mean? I said, my mother-in-law was in there buying stuff. She said it was absolutely awful. Now I know why. A joiner was doing the bacon. <laughs> Satan will come at you and he will tell you the biggest load of rubbish like you're not good enough. You can't do this. You're unable to do this. In fact, you're the worst person ever walk and God doesn't like you and God hates you. <laughs> but in actual fact, God loves you because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The righteous cry and God hears them. The Lord's eyes are on the righteous and his ears are tentative to their cry. It's all the opposite. This psalm tells you the opposite. 
This psalm says to you, God is watching you. God is listening to you. God loves you. God cares. God will deliver you. God will be there. God will save you. In every aspect of it. It is an amazing psalm. I really commend this to people who are going through the roughest of times. I read the psalm all the time. I really do. I love it. Especially when I'm trying to encourage people. It is the most incredible thing. It's the most incredible thing to know as brothers and sisters in Christ and those who know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. You've got, you've got an army around you. You know the old saying where somebody said, where would you get an army at this time of the night? Oh, hold on. Lord, would you just help me here? And the angels of the Lord are around you. That's how good it is. Not just some. Legions. Legions are there to protect. God delivers. God cares. God saves. How incredible is that? And that's the words of this psalm. That's the words that really, really strike with me. In my simplified life that I live, and I like to make things as simple and as possible and as easy as I can, I just think this is incredible. And I know there's others who have looked, and I've read some of the commentaries on it, and they're pretty good, and they go into all sorts of depth, and some sort to try and think about what David was doing. And I love that, but I just like the simplified fact that God cares enough for you when you're going through your toughest times, when you get it really, really tight. Like I used to tell you, and Tim knows this lady because it's his auntie, um, a lady called Frances. And Frances used to say to me, Nigel, if Satan's giving you a hard time, kick his lights out because God's given you permission to do it, because that's what you can do. She was an amazing lady with the most amazing faith that really used to bless me. In fact, she would be the lady who used to tell me um, that uh, you're never on your own. God is always with you. That's what's amazing about older Christians. When they come right close to you, when they know that you're in your down times and things are going pretty bad for you, and they put the arm around you and say, let's pray with you. Let me lift you up in prayer. When you're going through your roughest of times and they're going, tell you what, don't pray, I'll pray for you. Let me carry you in prayer. I'm going to carry you like these are my problems. Do you know how humbling that is? It's incredible. It is the most amazing place to be. It's an amazing place when you just read this wonderful psalm over and over and over again. And you know, well, we're going to get delivered. And God is going to carry us through all of these problems. Take us out of this. Even when you read the story, like I read there, of the Reverend Patton and how angels come in at this moment of time, I wonder how often many of us have been in situations we don't even realise it, but God sent the angels to protect us and delivered us out of the most awful situations. I'm wondering, I've, I've often thought about that, about the difficult times of you know, jobs that I've been involved in, places I've been. Jobs that I had to work where I was in security um, uh, establishments and wondered often if there were um, IRA men sitting waiting outside from where we were driving out that they would blow us up. I often wondered about that. Mind you, one night we were driving home from an establishment in Oma and the guys who were, we were working with were in front of us. While we went on down to Ballygolly, they turned into to Cookstown and... Quite a lot of them lost their lives that night because there was a bomb waiting for them at T-Ban. And those guys were all blown up. Um, and that was uh, 
That was a shocking experience in life for me, I have to be honest. But God delivers. God cares. God saves. That's what this psalm says to us. David is in his worst part of his life. And he's on the run. Saul's after him. The king of Gath, Agash, is going to get him, going to try and hammer him too. But God delivers him. God gets him out of it. It's an amazing psalm. I commend it to you. And I really feel that's really, I can't really emphasize this anymore other than the words that we see above us um, to finish with. The Lord will rescue his servants and no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. Now I want you to take that on board because it's very important. The Lord rescues his servants. God never leaves you alone. He never leaves you at your on your own. In any situation, God will always rescue his servants. He, no one who takes refuge in the Lord will be condemned. No more condemnation. That's what's the whole. That for me is the most amazing message here today. There's nothing that we're going to be afraid of here because God is with us all the way. All the way. And I pray that God will bless you as you read that psalm today. Um, and no, I'm not giving you this big um, open you know, teaching here today, but it's a simplified place from where I come from in this particular psalm. And I read it all the time. I really do. But again, the Lord rescues his servants and no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. And I pray God blesses you. And just to finish off, God delivers, God cares, God saves. That's the three messages I hope you pray that you will take today from this psalm. Let's pray. Father Lord, thank you again. Through your word, Lord, you encourage, you bless, you help, you uplift. So Father, we just pray as we um, enter into praise and worship, Lord, that Lord, we will use the words today to uplift us, Lord, to help us. In the weeks and months and the years that lie ahead, Help us always to open the word of God and stand on it, Lord, and stand on those promises that you've given us and that most amazing promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We're never alone, Lord. How incredible is that? We're never alone. Thank you for delivering us, Lord. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have saved us, Lord. And we ask it and we bless it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.